3: Big Six coming at you on a Thursday. How's it going, everybody? My name is Will Bowling, sitting in for Jason Martin tonight. This is the Big Six. This is 104.5 The Zone. We are brought to you by Renner's Warehouse. And wherever you are listening from traffic tonight, we're thankful you decided to tune your radio dials over here to us. we are talking for you for the next hour. We're going to get into some Tennessee Volunteers Discussion. Here on 104.5 The Zone until 7 p.m. That's when my time will be up. Thankful to be in this seat. I'll I'll begin kind of like Jason does a lot of the times. Thankful to have this opportunity uh, to be able to talk to you all from uh, a place and and from a station I've grown up listening to. I'm I'm Nashville born and raised. uh, Former University of Tennessee student athlete that's now back here uh, in in a city that I love in Nashville, Tennessee. and uh, Excited to bring uh, digital content and, and fill in when I can. Uh, here on 104.5 The Zone. Um, I, I've got to give a shameless plug uh, before we get started as well. Uh, you can check out all of our, our new podcasts. Uh, you hear me talk about it sometimes in the Midday 180 and uh, other shows here on 104.5 The Zone. Uh, had a big discussion with uh, Ben McKee uh, of Rocky Top Insider in the Swain event up in Knoxville on the latest Ultimate Tennessee Podcast on the 104.5 Podcast Network. Uh, ben is going to join us later in this show uh, around 6.30. Uh, to discuss uh, part of what we talked about on the podcast, uh, but also uh, a Tennessee football program that's feeling good uh, heading into a bye week right now. want to get uh, a lot of calls here uh, this afternoon as well. Uh, of course, the number six one five seven three seven one zero four five, 615-737-1045, and it is a Tennessee-led discussion. Because I think it's time to, to sit on the couch and, and let's let's put our heads together. Let's regroup a little bit heading into the bye week right now. If you're a Tennessee fan, I, I kind of like the uh, the Tennessee and and the Titans by weeks falling in the same week. It, it's kind of a collective deep breath for the volunteer state for the city of Nashville uh, as we uh, kind of reassess where, where things are right now heading into uh, the final stretch uh, for the Titans of six games and for Tennessee, uh, the final two games in the Southeastern Conference. And I want this to be a, a mainly Tennessee discussion because right now I think These are two teams taking the personalities of their head coaches, right? Uh, This is a Tennessee roster that is starting to act more and more like Jeremy Pruitt with every week and with every win where his philosophy and his game plan works. And going into this season, the narrative around college football, the narrative around the Southeastern Conference was out of a loaded group of second-year head coaches, where is Jeremy Pruitt going to rank? Right. And so far, the returns are pretty good compared to the other coaches in college football that were heading into their second seasons at big programs. Start down at Tallahassee. Willie Taggart gone in his second season. Chad Morris at Arkansas gone. So in the spirit of the big six, I feel required, almost compelled to tell you that Willie Taggart and Chad Morris actually combined to win six conference games. And yes, all six of them were won by Willie Taggart at Florida State. So congratulations wherever you're listening tonight. You, yes you, have won as many conference games as Chad Morris did at Arkansas in the Southeastern Conference. So uh, Jeremy Pruitt at least has a leg up on those two guys because he is still employed by the University of Tennessee. I think right now Scott Frost is realizing at Nebraska that uh, he is not at a place like he played at. Uh, The landscape of college football has changed so much uh, and a big reason why is because Nebraska's in the Big Ten, not the Big 12. And it makes a huge difference on the amount of pressure on a guy like Scott Frost who played at a program that may share the same name, the same logo, and the same colors, but is not the same job as it was when he was there. Take a look at UCLA. Another second-year head coach in Chip Kelly. Like Jeremy Pruitt, he's got three straight wins over conference opponents. He's beaten Colorado, Arizona State, and Stanford to get to four and five. But he went three and nine last year. So, yeah, that's okay. But things certainly could could not have gotten much better. So, uh, when you think about second-year head coaches right now in college football, uh, there's two that are standing out to me. They're in the same division in the Southeastern Conference. It's Dan Mullen first. And it's Jeremy Pruitt's second right now. Dan Mullen, the one that kind of got away, right, for Tennessee. Mullen had a connection to Florida. Philip Fulmer, understandably, pivoted to the opposite of a Butch Jones-style character. Then again, at that point, by the time Philip Fulmer was making that decision, Mullen was off the board. He was in Gainesville. But Philip Fulmer and Tennessee pivoted away from another Butch Jones-cliche machine, which I think Dan Mullen is, despite his excellent record and the success he's had at Florida and at Mississippi State. And he went and got a football coach. That's what Tennessee fans were sold on Jeremy Pruitt, is he's not going to spew cliches, of course. And, of course, I'm stating the obvious here to just kind of reset this conversation. But Jeremy Pruitt couldn't be more different uh, than those two guys. Uh, If you're a Tennessee fan at this point, you're pretty happy with the way the past couple of weeks have been. And if there's one thing the Vols can hang their hats on, it's the fact that no matter how bad they are, they beat Kentucky in football. And that's exactly what happened up at Kroger Field uh, on Saturday. Here's my question for Tennessee fans at this point in the season. As we reassess, as we regroup, have you forgiven Jeremy Pruitt for the first two weeks of the season? Have you forgiven him? Have you forgotten The first two weeks of the season, which included a couple of abysmal losses. One, against a team in Georgia State you didn't prepare for adequately. Second, a loss to BYU where you have the game won and you completely collapse. Completely collapse late in the game. Are you still upset, if you're a Tennessee fan listening to me right now, with Jeremy Pruitt's first two weeks of the season? Or are you just happy to be considered for a Florida bowl game? And are you okay with the prospects of this team moving forward? I want to get your thoughts on this. 615-737-1045. That's 737-1045 if you want to jump into this conversation. Because I think it's a genuine question. Look, I, I think at this point of the season, it's a fair question to ask. Look, have you forgotten about the way Tennessee started this season just because they are where they are right now? And, and and before I, I go to the phones here, I want to give kind of where I fall on this. I think the sustained success over the past month or two, it's almost made me more frustrated as to why two different Jeremy Pruitt teams, meaning the end of last year and the beginning of this season, just doesn't show up sometimes. Are we over that collectively? Are, are we ready to forget about those two games because... I, That's what still remains in the back of my mind about this Tennessee football team. I get that Jeremy Pruitt is an X's and O's guy. And I've seen his adjustments uh, look pretty impressive against Mississippi State, against Kentucky, against South Carolina. Teams where he's not given up points in the second half uh, against those last two. But it almost makes me question more. Right? And this is not necessarily just a two-game situation because if it was only Georgia State, if it was only BYU, maybe the conversation's a little bit different. right? But it, how quickly did we forget as well the way Tennessee started last season or rather ended last season against Missouri and against Vanderbilt? Two games Tennessee was never in, much less had a chance to win. Those were not even games in the second half, and the latter being inexcusable uh, here in Nashville against Vanderbilt, where a team just quite frankly didn't want to play for Jeremy Pruitt. So uh, on the other side, let's play devil's advocate. I- even if Tennessee wins the first two games, okay, let- let's say they go 9-3. and three. Does the bowl game really look that much different? Let's assume for the sake of conversation that the Southeastern Conference gets two teams in the college football playoff, which at this point I believe will be the case with LSU and Alabama. The next team in that hierarchy for the Bulls, okay, Georgia goes to the Sugar Bowl. You play out that scenario, you've got Florida locked into the Citrus Bowl likely, depending on how they finish. You've got then a 9 and 3 Tennessee or an Auburn team that's likely either 8 and 4 or 9 and 3. It's between those two teams for the Outback Bowl. And then if the Outback Bowl still chooses Auburn, well, Tennessee's right where it would be even if it beats Georgia State, even if it beats BYU, and you're still planning a trip down to Jacksonville to head to the TaxSlayer Bowl. So I I don't know if there's much of a difference. And maybe that's a reason why Tennessee fans wouldn't be as frustrated with the results of the first two games. Here's another reason not to be frustrated. Does Tennessee still regress to the mean of seven or eight wins, even if the Vols beat Georgia State and BYU? I think that argument could be made, right? I I think that maybe the success that Tennessee is having right now is a product of the losses and the lumps they took early on in the season because I don't know if this team learns the lessons it does in weeks one and two without losing to one or, or maybe both of those football teams, six one five seven three seven one zero four five. If you want to jump in, let's let's take some calls with this. Let's go to Mike, uh, who's standing by to, uh, to chat with us. Mike, welcome in.
4: Hey man, yeah, I, it's funny. you stole my thunder a little bit right there because I was I was just about to say I, first off I could care less about the, the I, I want to finish strong, but I'm I'm pursuing the guy from a standpoint of. Early on in this season, I would have said you could have brought Tony Robbins in and said, hey, it's mental. It's not their athletic ability. It's their mental belief. And and now they're starting to buy in and believe. And so th- when you get that point together and you put that with the football coach, now he can start to do something. And, and I think that's uh, – I would have said get Fulmer in there to pull him aside and go, Look, you're not getting fired, build your program. Sure. And if you can do that now we'll start to and I, I think we're doing that right now. And I'm I i do not care the rest of the season, sure I want to win and go to a bowl game. I can care which one I care less what we go to. But I'm looking at next year going, that's when I've got two kids there now. I want them to have a season where they go, you know what? Hey, this was fun now and I can already tell they're starting to have fun going to games and, and, and where hey we we you know, we pulled that one out, we won it. That was fun. That's going to be a fun year next year. So I'm looking ahead to next year, and I think he's doing – I'm a supporter.
3: Yeah, thanks for the call, Mike. You know, I think you make some good points there, and uh, and and the momentum that, that Tennessee has gained I think is, is certainly – look, I mean, if you lose to BYU and Georgia State in weeks seven and eight, this is a completely different conversation. It's the fact that Tennessee rebounds from the way it started this season – um, but also, and I spoke about this with Ben McKee on my Ultimate Tennessee podcast here on our, our Zone podcast network this week, you're hearing these players start to sound a lot more like Jeremy Pruitt than Butch Jones. And I know that a game has never been won in the in the press conference room, and I think Tennessee fans, they often kind of get caught in that trap a little bit, you know, believing that Butch Jones lost games in press conferences. I, I don't want to go there. I, I don't. I don't get that extreme. That press conferences have that big of an impact on the on the psyche and the personality of a football team. But when you assess Jeremy Pruitt's past success, you assess the the leaders he has coached with. I think it's an awfully good sign that that players are starting to sound more and more like him. And I think the example of the guy who's taken his personality the most is Jared Garantano, who looks like a completely different player. Uh, recently against Kentucky, Uh, and I think at this point he gives Tennessee the best chance to win at the quarterback position. John, you are on deck. We will get to you in a couple of minutes. This is the Big Six. My name is Will Bowling. This is 104.5 The Zone. Get some more of your phone calls, get some more Tennessee discussion, and we come back. Thursday night on the Big Six, sitting in for Jason Martin. My name is Will Bowling, host of the Ultimate Tennessee Podcast, the Smashcast, among others, on the 104.5 The Zone Podcast Network. Glad to have you with us. Said on the first segment, wherever you're listening from traffic, we appreciate you doing so. Just now jumping in, big Vols discussion tonight uh, for Tennessee fans. Have you forgiven Jeremy Pruitt for the first two weeks of the season? Have you forgotten, even? And am I just a bad guy for even bringing it up? Did you forget until I said it? Because for that, I apologize. <laughs> um, but again, as I said, kind of to open the show, if it was just the first two weeks of this season, I don't think it's as much of a concern. But the discussion even then was the issue with this team and with Jeremy Pruitt coming into the past you know, couple of weeks, of the 2018 season, the first couple of weeks of this season was this was more of the same from the end of last year. I want to get Tennessee fans' thoughts on that? Six one five seven three seven one zero four five. Couple of lines open here. Six one five seven three seven one zero four five. Let's go to John. John, welcome into the Big Six.
2: Hey, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? It's doing real well. Phil Palmer is repeating history. And back in the early 60s, when UT was so bad, the athletic director in, there was a Bob Woodruff. He got the best defense coordinator he could on a national championship team from Arkansas. His name was Doug Dickey. And they went from there. That's what built the team. Fulmer went and did the same thing. He got the best defense coordinator, on a national championship team, and made it work.
3: Yeah, I think you're right, uh, John. Wow. I, I think it's it's certainly a good point that you know you look around the SEC and the the successful teams, the successful coaches, uh, they were defensive coordinators before they were they were head coaches. But uh, kind of my my question and my my thought is, does that change the fact though that Tennessee lost? At, Perhaps I still think it's worst ever loss in program history under Jeremy Pruitt. Are we are we ready to forget that just because Jeremy Pruitt has beaten some bad to average SEC teams?
2: Learning process. Uh, I think they're they're you can watch them. I mean, they're getting better every week, every week. I mean, win lose whatever it may be, but they're getting better every week.
4: Thanks for the call,
3: John. It's, uh, Thank you. I, I, I think you're you're certainly right in a lot of ways there that, um, you know, the improvement certainly certainly helps. Let's go to Eric. Eric, welcome in. Hey, man. How's it going? Can you hear me?
1: I'm good. Hey, I appreciate your talk tonight. Sounds good. Thank you. Uh, to answer your question, yes. I guess I'm finally over. I like the rest of the fans. It sucks. Well, it all happened. But, you know, Hey, uh, defensive coach, fine. I think we really needed it. But my question to you is, if Florida or Georgia was the next in line for us to play, what do you think they would be thinking? Would you think they would be ready to be, um, you think that they would be in a good mindset about it, or would they be kind of timid?
3: Well, it, it's always the question Tennessee has, because you're you're snake bitten in the fact that you play Florida as early as you do. And it's so interesting that, that you're right, that the, the narrative seems to change so much every season to where Tennessee fans are saying, okay, if Tennessee can play Florida for once in October, or November, it's a completely different game. And I think that's certainly the case this year. Um, I think Georgia is a team that still Tennessee has a lot of trouble matching up with. I think Georgia is still a, a two-touchdown favorite on a neutral field against this Tennessee team right now. Uh, but but it it is an interesting thought, um, Eric, and I think you bring up a good point that compared to those two teams, I think Tennessee has had the biggest rise out of and, and it, out of anybody else in the SEC over the past month.
1: Right, and especially after the you know I, I'm like everybody else, I wouldn't expect them to even, actually didn 't be a game against Alabama. I can't believe I'm saying that, but uh, realistically, but after they we actually did make it a game. I mean,
3: it's, it's opened a lot of people's eyes. Sure has. Yeah, absolutely. Eric, thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Um, I think it's a solid question. I mean, how, how many times do we sit here in the middle of November and say, gee, if Tennessee could just play Florida in November, how much different does that game look right? Because I I don't think that Tennessee team had any confidence going down to Gainesville uh, Brian Maurer, of course, was on the record saying, look, I, I was more nervous, A, playing in front of my my hometown, kind of the, the friends and family, uh, Maurer being from Ocala, Florida, but B, he, he said, I was much more comfortable coming into the Georgia game knowing I was the starter than I was coming off the bench, and at this point, Tennessee also has found a groove with Jarrett Garantano coming off the bench, uh, kind of like a, like an opener in baseball and the American League that I hate in baseball, by the way. But it's working for Tennessee, uh, and I think you're, you're likely going to see that come to an end next week, though, when, when Tennessee will probably, probably, we'll ask Ben McKee this here in a couple minutes, uh, start Jarrett Garantano against Missouri. Let's go to Ron on line one. Ron, welcome in.
5: Yes, sir. You know, um, I think we forgive uh, the first two games, absolutely. You know, Pruitt started with a young team, uh he's built this team uh he had to get rid of some bad habits from previous coaches uh he come in and he had to set down a certain you know guideline on hey guys this is the way we're going to train this is the way we're going to practice this is the way we're going to do things and you know maybe some of them didn't look at it and didn't want to do it that way but uh they're kind of coming on board now and the ones that didn't you know hey i guess they're sitting on the bench now but uh the fact of it is is tennessee Look at the Alabama game. You know, uh, how would that game turned out if Mar hadn't got hurt? You know, I mean, you could look at it and say, well, Tua got hurt too. But at the same time, we played uh, South Carolina. We played a good game against Kentucky this past Saturday. And uh, I'm looking forward to see how the rest of the season goes. And uh, I think it's uh, shut a lot of mouths that's been running about Tennessee and running Tennessee down. And I think we're going to see, you know, a whole lot better team next year.
3: Yeah, thanks for the call, Ron. I, I think you make a lot of good points. And uh, to play devil's advocate, though, <laughs> even if you aren't doing things the right way and don't have the right culture, you should still beat Georgia State. And I know maybe I'm beating a dead horse at this point, but I think that is indicative of still this. This is not a finished product, and I don't think anybody's claiming that it necessarily is. But but I think Tennessee fans would be smart not to run off the tracks right now and say. Uh, things are better than they've been uh, in years right now. Maybe that's true in in a couple months. Maybe that's true if Tennessee wins out uh, and goes eight and five and, and beats another Big Ten team in the Tax Slayer Bowl because that's if there's one thing Tennessee does, it's it's beat Big Ten teams in Jacksonville. Um, I also laugh that there's a chance Iowa could again be that team. Uh, Kirk Ferentz uh, didn't didn't learn his lesson the first time, I guess, and um, uh, that was a, a Jalen Hurd led team. That uh, that beat the Hawkeyes back in 2015 uh, down in the Tax layer Bowl, but I I don't know. Maybe I'm overly cynical, but still I I think that even despite the things you said, and yes you have to create the culture, and yes you got to teach some guys to do things the right way, uh, I, I think there's still reason to be concerned and not completely forget. And, and I'm interested that that everybody seems to have forgiven and forgotten. I, I don't necessarily agree or disagree. I uh, I think if I'm a Tennessee fan right now, I've I've forgiven and forgotten as well. Uh but but I wanted to kinda do a, a little bit of a social experiment, if you will, tonight and kinda get the pulse of uh of the fan base. Let's go to Bo on uh on line two. Bo, welcome in. You're on the big six.
0: Hey guys, thanks for taking my call. You know, actually I've not uh forgotten for sure, and, and I agree with you, there's really no excuse personnel wise, playing at home to lose the Georgia State game. I do do uh, read a lot of uh, stuff on, on Brent Hub's website. I'm a season ticket holder, that kind of thing. So I believe that we're in the early stages of a complete bottom to top rebuild. Culture, athleticism. We've we've had our strength coach now for two years. Uh, the staff's been in there for two years. Aaron Tunnel has been kind of hampered with uh, you know with a lot of different uh, you know coaching changes, scheme changes. Um, and and a really tough kid. I think a really mentally tough kid. So you know, to to get to seven eight wins this year would be uh, would be uh, extraordinary, considering how the how the season started. That being said, I've I've been a fan for a long time, and have seen this when we're really really poor and when we're really really good, so forth and so on. And there's just no excuse, conference wide, for no one to compete. With with Alabama and LSU, I mean, it's a football conference. We have all the tools in place to do so, and uh, I kind of like the fact that our new coach is a defensive coordinator, uh, and I think that helps us. Um, and I'll get off by saying, uh, definitely hadn't forgiven the loss. the, the loss was uh, sure. that's that's an unforgivable loss. It really is. But yeah, I think I think to forget it and move forward, I think we're in a lot better place with. And I think our staff is growing just as much as our team is growing. So I still think we're a year or two away, kinda of like you said. We might be in a in a pretty good place right now, but um and I don't think I don't think this staff or these kids or this fan base is, is remotely satisfied with winning seven eight games. And as long as we can see progress and improvement, um then uh, then I think we're fine. But just to answer your question, uh maybe forgotten but not forgiven. Sure. <laughs> you know.
3: Sure. Thank you both thank you for the call. I think I think he makes some really good points too um uh, that uh, you you can forget maybe a little bit maybe that's the balance we find here you, you forget but not completely forgive coming up next uh ben mckee co-host of the swain event writer for rocky top insider.com up at knoxville he's going to join us i'm going to ask him the same question uh and we're also going to get uh kind of a regroup uh, on the bye week from somebody on the radio up in knoxville this is the big six my name is will bowling we'll be right back here on 104.5 so. Welcome back to the Big Six on 104.5 The Zone. Brought to you by Renner's Warehouse. Sitting in for Jason Martin tonight. My name is Will Bowling. Glad to have you with us. Glad you're spending your Thursday night in traffic. Hanging out with us. Talking some Tennessee here on a Thursday night. So joining me from Knoxville, Tennessee. You may have heard him on the Swain event up there in Knoxville. You may have read his stuff on rockytopinsider.com. He's also uh, a friend of the program on the Ultimate Tennessee Podcast here on the 104.5 The Zone Podcast Network. My good buddy Ben McKee joins us tonight. Uh, ben, how's it going tonight, man?
6: Man, it is it is going well. How are you, Will?
3: I'm good. I'm good. And uh, we're kind of doing a little bit of a social experiment tonight, kind of gauging uh, the psyche, um, the, uh, the mood of Tennessee football fans tonight because Uh, The big question this evening is, have you forgiven and forgotten? And maybe those are two separate questions, but regardless, are Tennessee fans forgetting or forgiving Jeremy Pruitt for the first two losses to the season? And I want to get your take on this as well, because uh, you're taking calls. You're on the radio up in Knoxville uh, every single day. You kind of have a nice seat to gauge and watch how Tennessee fans are feeling. Because right now it's all sunshine and roses. But, but what do you think is the answer to this question? Or, or is there even an answer to this question? Because most of the calls we've gotten and, and most of what I've seen is Tennessee fans seem to have moved on from those first two weeks.
6: Yeah, I, I think it's kind of a, a mixture of both, where people um, have forgiven Jeremy Pruitt for losing that first football game uh, to, to Georgia State and, and that, that second one to BYU and starting the season off on a terrible foot, so I think they've forgiven Jeremy Pruitt and in the in the Tennessee football program uh, based off of the way that they have played against Mississippi State, South Carolina, UAB, Kentucky this past weekend, and you can even throw in the first half against Georgia. Uh, you can throw in the three-and-a-half quarters against Alabama in Tuscaloosa. So I think people have forgiven Jeremy Pruitt uh, for that rough start based off the way Tennessee has played of late, but I don't think anybody will ever forget that that first month of the season, it, it was just miserable, and especially if if Tennessee ends up winning out and they go seven and five uh, to to end the season with wins over Missouri and Vanderbilt, and we'll just say that they win the bowl game, that's an eight and five team. I think people will always remember that that horrible start, especially the, the BYU game and the Georgia State game, because then at the end of the season, if you won your bowl game and you're sitting at eight and five, then the conversation all summer long is going to be, well, had they taken care of business and beaten Georgia State, beaten BYU, that's a 10-win football team. And I don't blame anybody for thinking that. So I think it's a, a little bit of both. Now, they can go out and really ruin all of the, I guess you can say, respect that they, they've built up or, or the trust that they've built up if they go out and uh, have a stinker against Missouri, especially Vanderbilt. Uh, Tennessee should most definitely beat Vanderbilt. Missouri will be a little bit tougher because it's on the road, but uh, <laughs> the feeling of trust can quickly go away if they don't handle business these uh, these next two weeks.
3: Well, Ben, I think you make a lot of good points there, and, and, and kind of where I play devil's advocate right now as well myself is I don't think this team wins nine games even if it beats BYU and Georgia State. Yeah, I, I think those were two... Uh, monumental experiences uh, for a Tennessee team that that maybe maybe that's their origin story, right? We we talk about uh, these these superhero movies, these comic books. Tennessee's origin story was not getting bit by a spider; it was getting bit by Georgia State, and, and maybe Tennessee and. and you should never go into a game saying, oh, well, let's lose this one. That way we can have uh, superpowers in the SEC season. But, uh, but maybe that was a monumental moment in Jeremy Pruitt's tenure to internally assess what's going wrong, how do I grow into this role, uh, and obviously whatever adjustments he's made have worked because this is a team, and we discussed this on our podcast earlier this week on the 104.5 Podcast Network, this team is taking the personality of Jeremy Pruitt, and that is really, really good news for Tennessee moving forward.
6: Absolutely. Uh, unfortunately for Tennessee fans, it was it was not a single moment that kind of turned the football season around. It was more of a, a month of misery. The Georgia State game, the BYU game, UTC was uh, exactly what a, a game against UTC should should be and should look like. But that road trip down to Florida, you are a, a couple, couple plays away from potentially, you know, it being a one score game in the fourth quarter i don't at all think that tennessee pulls out a win or anything but because of some some dropped passes in the end zone because of some you know missed throws or missed wide open receivers tennessee took points off the board itself rather than kind of florida uh inflicting its will on tennessee so tennessee may not win that game but it definitely took uh itself out of it with some of the mistakes it made so It wasn't necessarily a defining moment in my opinion where the season just turned around it was just you know a miserable month that made Jeremy Pruitt as a head coach as the CEO of Tennessee football kind of look in the mirror and say okay we need to make some changes our guys aren't even getting lined up correctly the quarterback is missing wide open receivers the offensive line isn't necessarily blocking it was just a long list of things that were going wrong the locker room wasn't the greatest and Tennessee had a couple of departures there uh, towards the end of September, and I almost wonder if that was addition by subtraction. So um, there wasn't necessarily a a one-defining moment, but that that first month of the season was miserable. And now when you watch Tennessee play, they don't even look the same. And I I think that that Tennessee team, uh, or this current Tennessee football team, would beat Georgia State 10 out of 10 times with the way BYU's season has kind of spiraled out of control. Uh, I think Tennessee would would beat BYU 10 out of 10 times, assuming they play the way that they have the last couple of weeks.
3: Yeah, I think the word you use, CEO, uh, is an important one for where Tennessee stands right now. Uh, if you uh, listen to this station at all, you've heard Stephen Godfrey uh, of Banner Society make that comment a lot with the midday 180 that uh, the best coaches in college football right now are learning how to be CEOs and manage a staff, manage the recruiting. They're not down there hands-on coaching as much maybe as their assistants. And when I was at practice watching Jeremy Pruitt and my time covering Tennessee uh, as a beat writer, um, I saw the complete opposite. And I know you have as well in the past that Jeremy Pruitt was as hands-on of a coach as there was in college football. And maybe on the practice field, there still is some of that. uh, But I think you're right. I think the fact that Jeremy Pruitt is growing into more of a CEO uh, is certainly... Important. I also think too that we're going to look back, Ben, and realize just how underutilized Marquez Callaway has been in his career at Tennessee because the guy has been targeted 40 times this year, and where that ranks the SEC is 30th. 29 receivers have been targeted more than Marquez Callaway in the SEC this year, and I think there's a direct correlation with with getting him involved in Tennessee winning games. Four catches, 103 yards, and a touchdown against Kentucky. Three catches, 102 yards, and a touchdown against South Carolina. Tennessee has three NFL wide receivers on this team right now. I know you agree with me on that, that Marquez Callaway, Josh Palmer, and Jawan Jennings at least are going to make some money catching footballs uh, professionally. But I think it's time to let Marquez Callaway be the number one target in the red zone because it doesn't matter who's throwing him the ball at this point. He is playing a different game than a lot of these defensive backs are across the conference right now.
6: Yeah, there there should not be that many SEC receivers that have more targets than Mark West Calloway. I mean, it just it should not be that way at all. And you know, part of it is the fact that they rely so heavily on Dewan Jennings. He is the ultimate competitor, uh, and you want to get Jawan as involved as anybody on your football team, and uh, he should be the number one target. But you would like to see Mark West Calloway have more targets. Uh, as well, kind of, kind of get those guys to where it's kind of even footing, where where it's somewhat more of an even distribution compared to Juwan just having significantly more targets because he's ultra talented. You said it; uh, he is going to be a, an, an NFL receiver for for a long time, eight ten year NFL career, in my opinion. Juwan's the same way. Josh Palmer is the same way. Uh, Tennessee has so many talented receivers, which is why it was so frustrating at the beginning of the season that Jarrett Gantano was missing wide open receivers. It wasn't that he didn't have anybody to throw the football to, but if you go back and you watch that BYU game, there were three or four touchdowns that Jarrett Garantano left on the field. He had a streaking uh, Jawan Jennings open on a post. He had Marquez Callaway open on a go route one time. That's 14 points right there, and and if they convert on those, then Tennessee easily wins that football game. So uh, Tennessee has three NFL receivers, like you said, and down the stretch, they're going to need them if they're going to pull out uh, two, two more wins and a bowl win.
3: Ben McKee of Rocky Top Insider in the Swain event up in Knoxville. Ben, I, I feel like you, I don't know if you get a ribbon or a medal, uh, maybe a cookie that I can send you. Uh, ben is the most uh, frequent visitor on my Ultimate Tennessee podcast, which you can find wherever you get your podcasts on the 104.5 Podcast Network. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at Ben McKee. 14, uh, always good stuff, man. Good to catch up with you, and uh, we appreciate you uh, you joining us.
6: Yeah, man, I appreciate you having me on. I'll take a gold sticker All right. we're back in kindergarten so, or, or something along those lines.
3: Maybe a sticker of a cookie. How about that? We'll, we'll yeah, combine the two.
6: I, I like it. Uh, Go <laughs> back to kindergarten and pre-K.
3: Good stuff, man. Appreciate it. Uh, ben McKee, doing a great job. You can check his his stuff out at RockyTopInsider.com. He does a great job covering tennessee athletics when we come back i'm gonna i'm gonna dust off my soapbox penny hardaway memphis you are on the hot seat when we come back in the big six on 104.5 the zone final segment on the big six sitting in for jason martin tonight my name is will bowling as you wrap things up tonight from downtown nashville tennessee you can find me on twitter at will underscore bowling that's b-o-l-i-n-g uh, like the arena, not the sport, uh, is usually what I tell people. Uh, no, I'm not related to Thompson Bowling either. Sometimes I tell people I am just to kind of mess with them, kind of see what gauge the reaction before I really tell them the truth. But no, no, uh, I, I'm not related to Thompson Bowling. All right. I know that if, if you're listening from the western part of the state tonight, uh, it might be time to turn off the radio. Because Memphis versus everybody doesn't necessarily work. When everybody is the NCAA, okay? Penny Hardaway is a guy who is a talented recruiter, a talented, I don't know if he's a talented basketball coach yet or not, but right now he's showing his biggest talent is having no regard for rules at any level. That included at Memphis East when he's on record as saying, well, why should I read the TWSAA Rule Book?" It also now applies to the NCAA. And Penny Hardaway, you've opened Pandora's box. And I get, in this whole situation, Penny Hardaway gives a million dollars to Memphis um, years ago, four years ago, considered a booster, pays James Wiseman, a player who, who played here at Insworth, I saw him play when I was in high school here, pays him $11,000 in moving costs to move to Memphis. But... You can't open Pandora's box like this because Penny Hardaway now, in keeping Wiseman eligible, and yes, I know the ruling today that that Wiseman is officially ineligible for now but can still practice. In fighting the NCAA, Penny Hardaway, you have poked the bear. You've poked the bear with a temporary restraining order, with with keeping a guy in there who, who shouldn't have continued playing. And at this point, now Memphis is in unprecedented territory where now they have three coaches who have put them in NCAA trouble. Move aside John Calipari. Move aside all the issues Memphis had back in the 90s as well. Penny Hardaway is not just breaking the rules. He's spitting in the face of the rules. So Memphis, I guess you'd rather have all those wins and then vacate them later and then also just raise all the money, get all the hype around FedEx for them than... Do things the right way. Pull him out. Understand that you cannot pay a kid $11,000, then expect him to be eligible that quickly and get away with it. Imagine if Chris Lofton said, hey, I want to coach in Tennessee in a couple years. Let's pay a bunch of high schoolers to move to Knoxville. Not how it works. So Memphis, I get the year against everybody, but at this point, it's not going to work out. That's all the time I've got tonight. Appreciate you joining in on the Big Six. My name is Will Bowling. You can check us out on our podcast network. But... We will talk to you later on.